1: Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who know better than to bring up Stockholm Syndrome while discussing a Disney movie. I'm Hannah Leach, a writer, musician, audio producer, and questionably drawn
2: barmaid. And I'm Audrey Leach, director, editor, producer, and brunette who does not identify with Belle. We are the sister duo, also known as Tooping Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the
1: bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are?
2: Today, we are talking about 1991's Beauty and the Beast.
3: Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin round your neck, Sherry, and we provide the rest.
4: Let's go! Bonjour! 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 Bonjour!
3: Hello! I want adventure in the great white somewhere.
4: God. As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating I want a guy that
1: Hey, everyone. We have a really exciting announcement today. We have a very spectacular sponsor for this season, and it is Regal Cinemas. And we have our good friend Logan from Regal with us here, and we're going to chat about today's movie. We're talking about Beauty and the Beast, as you know. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Regal. We're just going to take a minute and hang. So, Logan, welcome to the pod.
4: Thank you so much, ladies. I am so glad to be here and glad to be chosen to speak with you guys. And I'm all yours.
2: Let me just say, too, that, like, I might be the number one fan of Regal that I know. (laughs) You know, with all the, like, rewards programs that have come out in theaters over the past few years, ever since MoviePass came and went, it's like who's gonna offer the best deal, whatever, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So, like, I've had AMC stubs. I've done it all. I've been through, I've been through everything with theaters.
4: Even though I get free movies, I still pay the monthly subscription for Regal Unlimited just because you can see it the day it comes out. You know, like, there's no restrictions on that. We are talking to a
1: few people in the episode who were in, like, youth theater productions of Beauty and the Beast.
4: Were you a theater person as a child? So I was extremely shy growing up. Mm, So I was in theater. I was in choir. I took seven semesters of it my last year just because I could have graduated early or I could just get a bunch of A's and join theater. And so. Um, so, but in musical theater, we did um, we did Oklahoma one year actually, and um, mm-hmm. but the one that we did was Grease, and I was too nervous, so I was spotlight <laughs> number two. I was project manager, but which pretty much I painted and could make copies on the copy machine, like it wasn't really yeah. that exciting. But yeah, totally. Uh, I went to college, and then I took theater because who doesn't love theater? And the whole mm-hmm. time they were trying to make you act, and it was the worst thing oh. for me because I didn't want to act, but yeah, yeah. but love theater, love, I mean, it's it's part of our genetics, like, we just have to. Like. We talk about it a bunch in the episode, but, like, nothing hits, like, a local theater production of Beauty and the VL. There's just something to it, you know? Yeah. You're shocked and delighted that they're so talented, but it's also <laughs> fun because... They have day jobs, you know, like it's fun.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, yeah, right. Like someone's leaving their nine to five to go like wear like a mid-budget spoon (laughs) outfit. Right, right. Was there a re-release of Beauty and the Beast? Was it, I know it was 10 years ago, but was it through Regal?
4: I don't know. I've actually never seen Beauty and the Beast in theaters, the original. So I know I look old, but I was only five when it came out. (laughs) And so and I had to ask my mom if we saw it and we did not. Apparently, I was not a good five year old. So I did not go to the theater to see it. So this will be my first time seeing it in theater.
1: Wow. I saw it on a, on like a friend date with my high school best friend and we went to Wendy's and we dined in at the Wendy's. Oh, classy. And then, I know. And it was one of the Wendy's with like, you know, the ones that have kind of like that side room with like the paneled windows, like on yes. like the roof. Yeah. One of those. And then we went and saw the movie because it was her favorite and it was like a fun little high school moment.
4: It's by far my mom's favorite film by far mm-hmm. by far I mean I love Beauty and the Beast is probably my second favorite I'm a little mermaid person I'm a little mermaid uh-huh. person uh-huh. Uh, Jody Bins I mean J- okay anyway but uh <laughs> love Beauty and the Beast but um so my mom made us watch it a gazillion times and when we were little kids I have a twin brother and an older sister mm-hmm. my mom said if you guys take French and you make all A's we'll take you to France and so she got us and I brought it with me our VHS Oh of my god Beauty and the Beast In French. So, which we can't play it anymore because, you know, we don't have a universal... You know, VHS player. Where do you get those? Yeah. She kept her promise though. So we went to to Paris and Oh my God. And, we Belle. No, I'm just
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you saw her in the flesh. That's amazing.
4: What a good well, even it. More fun though, too, is my last name is Potts with two T's. And oh, her last right. name is Potts. Yeah. So <laughs> she she always had the Mrs. Potts going for. Her, so that's so good. I was just going to let you guys know I made a fun little questionnaire for you. So if you guys did Ooh. your homework. It should be extremely easy for you. And if okay. not, it'll be a fun delight. Oh, so if you guys want give that, to give that a whirl. Yeah. In the original, Beauty is her name, which Belle Beauty, you know. She had multiple sisters in the original story. And they were extremely vain and very superficial. And when their father would go away, they would all ask for something for them, him to bring him back. What was it that Beauty asked for? Was it A, a book? B, a rose, C, adventure, or D, the right to choose who she marries? I think it's a rose. Good I think job. It yeah. I, was Yay. That, I was hoping that wouldn't be so obvious, but no, that
1: one's That one's hard. I hadn't thought about that in like a million years and it just came flooding back. We did not talk about that. I love
4: old grim fairy tales because they're dark and just, you know, but uh, I thought it was a fun one, too. She also apparently had brothers, too, who were on a vendetta to go hunt the beast because they were, you know, don't our sister. So question number two. uh, The beast is a hybrid of a bunch of different animals. (laughs) Which trait does he not have? The tail of a bear, the tusk of a boar, the brow of a gorilla, Or the mane of a lion?
2: I'm trying to remember what a bear tail looks like. I know. Little little nub. I'm going to... Right. It's not a nub. It's not a nub.
1: nub. It's not a nub. Good job. Good job. I
4: thought the gorilla (laughs) would throw you off. This will be an easy one for you guys. I'm sure you did your homework. But Belle is the only Disney princess to... You guys can probably answer this before even asking it. She's the only Disney princess to What? (laughs) <laughs> read a book just kidding <laughs> I uh, say, I'll, I'll give you all three now, all four actually uh, she's the only one to have brown hair the only one to have hazel um, eyes or is she the only disney princess to not seeing her films theme on screen
2: well uh, Han, didn't you say that in the above. The sorry
4: there's a D too.
2: uh i think it's i think it is all it's of all the above. of the above yeah,
4: yeah. I, I kept on thinking forever i'm like is she really the only one with brown hair but I think so. Yeah, she really is. Here's another one for you. Which <laughs> character was scripted to have only one line, but they did such a good job they gave them more? It's A Lafou, B Chip, C The Feather Duster, or D Maurice.
2: I have a guess. I feel like Yeah, I have a guess too, but I don't want to be thinking- wrong, so you can say. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to say I'm going to
1: say The Feather Duster.
2: Yeah, she sure. <laughs> go with
4: that? Chip. Chip. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that was my amazing. second thought. But I was like, Disney loves a tiny little sidekick. Here's my last one for you. Okay. Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film to be nominated for uh, Best Picture, which I'm sure you guys know, 92. What did they lose to? They didn't win it. So they lose it to A, The Silence of the Lambs, B, Thelma and Louise, C, Home Alone, or D, Dances with Wolves.
1: Mm. I'm going to give that one to Audrey.
2: What was A again?
4: Silence of the Lambs. It's Silence of the Lambs. Hey. hey. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, that was my my fun little quiz for you guys. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. That was incredible. Dizzy's bringing back the films for their 100th anniversary and it's something that Regal's super excited to be a part of and there's a lot of films from the 90s that are coming back um Mm -hmm. Toy Story Uh, I don't think Frozen's from the 90s but you know Frozen-ish Lion King's coming back and so if you're going to see more than one of them might as well get Regal Unlimited because you two visits Mm -hmm. pay for itself but yeah we're just really excited to to bring back these classic films the classic films especially Beauty and the Beast
2: do you know when Beauty and the Beast is going to be back
4: Beauty and the Beast will be out on the 18th of August.
2: Oh, amazing. Yeah.
4: yeah so. I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. Oh, I'm going. bye yeah. totally yeah. <laughs> But, uh... Yeah, but.
2: Are you going to
1: come back?
4: I would love to. I okay. went to your podcast and I've listened to about half a dozen of them. And not going to lie, when I first... The first one I listened to was Napoleon Dynamite because <laughs> I love the movie. Yeah. And you had uh, Tina on it. And yeah. I love Karina Karina, the movie. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, despite the critics, I loved Waterworld. I thought Waterworld was a great movie. <laughs> yeah, um, So yeah. I love, and of course, Napoleon Diamond was great. And when I saw it, it was an yeah. hour and a half long, I was like, I'm not going to bank it. Like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Yeah. But it was really great. If Regal will
1: have you having again for us, that's incredible. This has been a dream. We could not have possibly had a better person for Stop. Regal to us. <laughs> so we look forward to having you back. And um, we're going to be hitting up the Regal Unlimited situation for Beauty and the Beast for much more And we will talk to you again soon.
4: Definitely, ladies. Well, it has been a pleasure and an honor. And I'm just so (laughs) glad to get to meet you guys and to be on here and talk to you.
1: Okay, listeners. It is a beautiful day in Cleveland, Ohio. I got a headband on. I just ate some kind of stale Cheez-Its, and I am drinking a Probably not problematic Diet Coke.
2: It's not really a nice day here, honestly. I can hear the rain. How's your life? What's the news? What's the gossip of late? Just moving. We're both moving, so. Yes. Just doing things for the last time, like, in a ceremonial way, like. Are you feeling sentimental? I will be. Because now, now it's the last two weeks so now it's really like, you have to think about it. You don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, the real estate agent has been all up in my freaking apartment for days and he texts me constantly. Can I show the apartment at this time? Can I show the apartment at this time? I'm like, honestly, just take a freaking key because I don't want to be forced to be here all the time, but I am. Yeah. So. yeah, I still have to go through all of my crap. My desk now has a lot
1: less shit. On and around it, but there's much work left to be done. But we did book our movers yesterday, which is great. So
2: things are happening. But you know what we're going to do today? Talk about Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the
1: Beast. Beauty and the Beast was released on November 22nd,
2: 1991 and was rated G. Synopses. IMDb. Having lived a life in selfishness, young Prince Adam is cursed by a mysterious enchantress to having the appearance of a monstrous beast. His only hope is to learn to love a young woman (laughs) and earn her love in return in order to redeem himself. Ten years later, his chance shows itself when a young maiden named Belle offers to take her ill father Maurice's place as his prisoner. With help from the castle's enchanted staff, Belle learns to appreciate appreciate her character and immediately falls immediately falls in love with him. Okay. Back in the village, however, unscrupulous hunter Gaston has his own plans for Belle.
1: I love that this one centers the beast in it and somehow the name Adam is assigned. I don't know where that comes from. That is his name. How
2: do you know that? I think I know it from other source text. Okay, letterboxed. Follow the adventures of Belle, a bright young woman who finds herself in the castle of a prince who's been turned into a mysterious beast. With the help of the castle's enchanted staff, Belle soon learns the important lesson, the most important lesson of all, (laughs) that true beauty comes from within. Lastly, Rotten Tomatoes, an arrogant young prince and his castle servants fall under the spell of a wicked enchantress who turns him into the hideous beast until he learns to love and be loved in return. The spirited, headstrong village girl, Belle, enters the beast's castle after he imprisons her father, Maurice, with the help of his enchanted servants, including the matronly Mrs. Potts. Belle (laughs) begins to draw the cold-hearted beast out of his isolation. I like how they just wanted to... To put angela lansbury's name in there i know that's I know. really they hard. had
1: to throw in the matronly mrs Poss. <laughs> so so forced in there and there's only one tagline
2: and that would be the most beautiful love story ever told we've read that like, many times
1: yes and this season specifically i feel like it's come up a lot all right, so now into this creative team. So Beauty and the Beast was directed by two men. Ooh, Gary Trousdale and Kirk Why Wise. is that the reaction? <laughs> it's ooh, because it's like, who's surprised? Ooh, two men. And together they worked on The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Beauty and the Beast, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, The Lion King. And also Gary specifically wrote a lot of direct-to-video Shrek spin-offs. And then Kirk shares a lot of these credits, obviously, but he also directed Disney History Connections, Colonial America, which I tried to look into and there was no information. So he may be romanticizing colonial America in his free time, which would not surprise me. Next for writers, we have Linda Wolverton. She is best known for her work on Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, and Mulan. But she also wrote the full screenplays for the Tim Burton, Alice in Wonderland, and Through the Looking Glass, as well as the live action Maleficent movie. Then we have Brenda Chapman, who shares a lot of credits with Linda Wolverton. And then we have Chris Sanders, who is like a Disney guy, but to me, I always think of him in the Lilo and Stitch bonus features because he was a part of the team that made it so good. All the songs were the last complete works for a movie by Howard Ashman, who was an Academy Award winner and a really beloved composer. He died eight months prior to the release of the movie, and the movie is dedicated to him. At the end of the final credits, you can read the dedication to our friend Howard, who gave a mermaid her her voice and beast his soul, we will be forever grateful. So yet another fantastic gay that we lost in the 80s and early 90s. Very sad, but thank you, Howard Ashman, for your service. Okay, going into the cast. So I did not include everyone just because, no, we're just not doing that. But I wanted to just hit on a few people. So Paige O'Hara, as previously discussed, is the singing and speaking voice of Belle. She has voiced Belle in like every spinoff, every direct-to-video, every computer game ever.
2: She kept that schedule open.
1: Yes, she did. She also has a cameo role in Enchanted, which makes sense. But I just found this little interesting tidbit about her. So Paige started out as a theatrical actress and made her debut on Broadway in 1983. And then in 1989, Disney Animation Studios started production on Beauty and the Beast I love this. She learned about the upcoming film production from a newspaper article and applied for a voice role. She competed against 500 other applicants and was chosen for the lead role of Belle. The design team of the film had modeled Belle's appearance on Judy Garland, so the casting crew wanted an actress and singer whose tone was reminiscent of her. She was thought to offer a decent artistic impression of Garland's style and had considerable experience in stage musicals, making her ideal for the role. Then we have Robbie Benson as The Beast. He has also voiced The Beast in like every spinoff thing ever, but he also directed six episodes of Friends, which I thought was interesting. Then we have Angela Lansbury as the matronly Mrs. Potts. She is known for her acting roles in Anastasia, where she's like the Dowager Empress, Beauty and the Beast, Murder, She Wrote, in which she starred in 164 episodes. The Manchurian Candidate, Nanny McPhee. And then Cogsworth was voiced by David Ogden Spires, who was the voice of Jumba in Lilo and Stitch. That man
2: is extremely
1: versatile. So shout out to him.
2: Budget 25 million, opening weekend 162,146, and worldwide gross 424,967,620. That also kind of seems low, but I guess as we always say with Disney movies, like the real monetary value is not measurable, honestly.
1: Yeah. Cause again, this doesn't include merchandising, Disney World, all the other stuff. Things, all the Disney princess merch. Yeah, so the movie alone made this much money, which is intense.
2: The critic score for Beauty and the Beast was 93%, and the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is enchanting, sweepingly romantic, and featuring plenty of wonderful musical numbers. Beauty and the Beast is one of Disney's most elegant animated offerings. The critic opinion in 2018, (laughs) so more recent, A more recent take. In these sterile technological days when creations of architecture, movies, and other splendors are inferior to the classics of past ages, this artisan-crafted masterpiece is perhaps the closest we'll ever come to a gothic cathedral. Okay. And then Roger Ebert excerpt. So he says, a lot of children's movies seem to expect people to buy tickets by default because of what the movie doesn't contain. No sex, vulgarity, etc. Beauty and the Beast reaches back to an older and healthier Hollywood tradition in which the best writers, musicians, and filmmakers are gathered for a project on the assumption that a family audience deserves great entertainment too. There must have really just been like a drought of like anything decent at the time because yeah I don't know yeah I know there it's
1: getting a lot of flowers and I don't think it doesn't deserve them but we'll talk about the context more I guess the deeper in we get but okay common sense media says that beauty and the beast is appropriate for ages six and up Families can talk about Belle and Beast's first impressions of each other in Beauty and the Beast. What did they discover about each other as their relationships grew and as Beast learned humility and self-control? What message does that send to viewers? As one of the popular Disney princesses, how is Belle similar to Cinderella and the Little Mermaid? How is she different? Do you consider her a role model? How do the characters demonstrate compassion and empathy? Why are those important character strengths? Why do you think Gaston was so surprised that Belle didn't want to marry him? How does their relationship poke fun at fairy tale cliches?
2: Audience score, though? 92%. Letterboxd average star rating? 3.9 stars. I guess that, I mean, 92 is high. 3.9... That feels okay to me. I, I don't mind yeah. that score. Yeah. Audience opinions. I would do horrible, terrible, nasty, disgusting, awful things for Disney to use 2D animation again. Gaston should have just killed them for real. Killed who? Who I think <laughs>
1: all of them. <laughs> they, them, the beast.
2: Belle and the beast, I guess. And finally, who got Miss Potts pregnant? That is something that I was thinking about. Also, Same. I have many, I have a lot, lot of lines of inquiry about that.
1: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too.
2: So cultural context, just a little bit. So
1: this movie came out a few years after The Little Mermaid, which was like, Very much a cultural reset for feature-length animation. And this movie won a ton of awards. So Alan Menken and Howard Ashman's song, Beauty and the Beast, won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. While Menken's score won the award for Best Original Score. And then two other songs from the movie were nominated for Best Original Song. It was Belle and Be Our Guest. Beauty and the Beast was also the first picture to receive three Academy Award nominations for Best Original Song, a feat that would be repeated by The Lion King and Dreamgirls and Enchanted. And I'm like, there's three original songs in Enchanted? I don't even remember that. The movie was also nominated for Best Picture and Best Sound. It was the first animated film ever to be nominated for Best Picture and remained the only animated film nominated until 2009 when the Best Picture field was widened to 10 nominees. And it remains the only animated film nominated for the award when it only had five nominees. And then, of course, of course, another thing that has lived on about this movie is the Broadway musical and the release of the rights of the Broadway musical to educational and community theaters across the world. And when I think about Beauty and the Beast, one of the main things I think about is, well, really are, really bad high school Beauty and the Beast Beast costumes. Those are some of my favorite images in the world, I think.
2: I don't think they really hold a candle to the Shrek ones, but they are bad. Okay,
1: that is (laughs) really true. Beauty and the Beast bad costumes came before Shrek's, but you're totally right. The Shrek ones are also extremely egregious. Audrey, what memories do you have about Beauty and the Beast?
2: Were you going to talk about the Solon production of it we saw? For some reason, we didn't own Beauty and the Beast, on VHS or DVD or anything. So we would only see it at other people's houses. And because of that, you kind of end up forming you end up forming bonds with the princesses that you own the movies for. And the ones that you don't own the movies for are kind of like they're othered. They're they're kind of like, oh like (laughs) Yeah. Who's that? Like I she's not my princess. You know what I mean? She Yeah. And so I think I was always kind of biased against her purely because we did not own the movie. And she was,
1: like, such a favorite. She's like the Samantha, uh, like the American Girl doll Samantha of the Disney princesses.
2: Yeah, I was like, oh, that's so, like, cliche. You like Belle? Okay, She's also, like, wow, I mean, be more original. The, oh, a lot of them are quite boring. Like they all don't really have a personality. But what bugs me so much about Belle is that people say she does and she actually doesn't. Like, at least with Cinderella, it's like she doesn't and we all know it and nobody tried to fake it and say that she did. With yeah. Belle, it's that 90s feminism thing of like she yeah. can read and she's hot. Therefore, <laughs> she's a personality. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She but
1: can read. You're so She's right.
2: literate. I mean, the bar is that low. Regardless of... The character in the actual movie. Our parents took us to the high school's production of Beauty and the Beast before we were really submerged, indoctrinated into the theater lifestyle in Solon, Ohio. Like we had had a taste of it, I think, yeah. through that one summer camp, but we yes. were not fully in it yet. I remember even like where we sat in the auditorium. Like I, I remember like everything about it because it felt extremely professional compared to anything that we had seen that wasn't professional in the past like yeah we hadn't really gone to a lot of high school musicals but to see this as your like one of your first high school musical experiences was nuts because when I tell you that they went in and I don't know if it's just (laughs) my like 10 year old brain that like morphed the experience because I know You know how legitimate some high school productions can look, and then you look back on them even like two years later, and you're like, "That was so (laughs) rinky-dink." Like, (laughs) yes. But they did buy like they did rent props right from Disney, and like kind of did like a more legitimate. Less yeah. rinky-dink version. Yeah. Well, because I remember,
1: like, y- it's really hard to do, like, the rose suspended in air correctly unless you, like, have the right prop. But it's so funny that you said that, Audrey, because I felt the exact same way. I remember being like, this is this isn't professional. Like, how? yeah. And so, last night, I went, like, deep into the SHS drama club archives trying to prove the exact thing you just said. Like, was the production value that high? Or, like, am I just remembering wrong? Um, And the only things I could find were, like, really crappy, like, former girls, like profile picture screenshots, like, really low-res images. I mean, if we asked
2: them, I'm sure they
1: could provide. One of the girls from that production is sending us a voice memo. So she might have pictures.
2: You know what's crazy about, like, when you see high school productions before you're in high school is, like, and you're, like, definitely going to be a part of that in high school, is, like, how clearly you can remember like everything about it like i remember yeah. f- i remember who played every role in that production
1: like I for do the too, most for the most part,
2: part. and yeah. like why like it just it ingrains on you so in such a major way because they're actually in your proximity it's like it's not like going to disney world and seeing the beauty and the beast show there where it's like so out of your range it's like no these people live in this town and they're doing this thing so even though i never gave a shit about the character of bell if somebody was playing bell they're definitely very cool you know what i mean so
1: i was gonna bring this up in the second half but i think we should just do it now Is there anything possibly more belittling than being in Beauty and the Beast as not Belle and like not even a silly girl?
2: You know, you might be the feather duster and that's your shot. (laughs) That's that's your other (laughs) shot.
1: And then Mrs. Potts and the wardrobe are embarrassing, but at least you get to sing Beauty and the Beast if you're Mrs. Potts.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, like, a sweet role. But you're in a
1: giant tea kettle costume, so, like... Yeah, like, you don't get to be hot. That's a grandma role. You're not serving. You're not serving. Yeah. But you know what? It is the rare exception for like a character actress to get to sing like a good. The main song. Like a good ballad main song. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like it was drama in our town because one of the girls who was cast as Belle was only a sophomore when she got that part. And like Imagine you're a senior in high school and you're doing Beauty and the Beast and then a sophomore girl comes and gets that part. I'm surprised she lived the next day.
2: I know this uh, this always sounds cliche coming from people because everybody thinks that their drama program was cutthroat. Everybody thinks (laughs) that their thing was like the most intense thing. But I just know we have a good, well-rounded view of this kind of thing because yes. we've been to all these different high schools in Ohio. We know what their drama programs are like. We, like, understand kind of the landscape yes. of things. The yes. Jimmy Awards are important. Thank God that missed our era. Like, Thank God, yeah. Literally the year after I graduated high school is when they started competing for the Jimmy Awards on, like, a local level that then becomes the national level. And, like... I just, we already had too much competition in our lives. Like, I just don't know what would have become of us if we had
1: that too. I totally agree. And Josh always makes fun of me because he says that I have audition trauma because at School of Rock, there is this like audition group, like they're called headliners and you have to audition to be in it. And it's like all the best kids in the three schools. And I'm always just like, the headliners are hierarchical and I I hate it and they shouldn't label them that way. And Josh is just like, you have drama from auditioning. And I'm like, and what of it?
2: I would have loved to be a part of a production of Beauty and the Beast, but it missed us. There was one- I know. Both after me and before me. I was like, damn.
1: I for sure would have been like, a punchline like fat lady holding six babies like Stop. wouldn't have been good. <laughs> Let's not pretend you, like that's not true. You would
2: have been. I need six eggs. Is that yeah, what
1: that's it? what I am saying. The
2: one who's like, I need six. <laughs> eggs.
1: Like losing it, that would have been me, one hundred percent.
2: I would have been dance captain plate.
1: <laughs> I was thinking you would have been dance captain like napkin roll or something. Yeah, but like, and, like maybe if you were maybe you were, like, like a, a hot little one, <laughs> right i was going to say if you were like a little bit sluttier as a person you could have been one of the silly girls but you're not slutty enough for that so honestly
2: no i think i would have had a shot okay. if <laughs> I, I was slutted up if i was a junior or, or a senior i think they could have they could have made that exception you know
1: you don't have to be a slut to be a silly girl in middle school but what i was going to say is um it reminds me of when we did Les Mis, and they had to oh, cast yeah. like actual prostitutes, and I just remember like the girls that got cast as the prostitutes were like <laughs> a very specific type. <laughs> like, imagine being they like, literally poor number You're three. A
2: slide. <laughs> <laughs> they I'll said, just never forget. You sell your body in the streets of France. And you do it for um,
1: a bunch of boys that are gays that aren't out of the closet yet exclusively.
2: That's, it's, that's what's so weird about doing uh, grown-up shows with minors is that yeah. you want to be the prostitute.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You're like, if I'm not going to get the lead, at least I need like a tight corset. Like I yeah. need to be hot. No, it's so much about costumes like when I was a fucking granny in Lame Mis which I will never get over that that was so tragic for me but I had this like granny wig and it was like a low no bun the wig and I was, was like, good well no, I'm getting there ow, I'm getting there it was there. good Yes, because I was like, can I take this out of the bun? And our director was probably just like trying to survive at that point. And she was like, I don't give a shit. Do what you want. And then I took it out and it was like waist length, like gently waved silver hair. And I was like, okay, this is kind of fierce at the very least. Wait, that reminds me. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Okay, I feel like drama club trauma is like good for this podcast, though. What we blame is, okay, you know, at the end of act one where they're marching Yeah. And it's one day more. I was so embarrassed to even be in Les Mis after my brush with almost getting a real part that I stood in the back row intentionally so I wouldn't be seen. Yeah. I think it was junior year or something. Chris, no, it was sophomore year. For some reason, I like asked Chris to do something exceedingly stupid for me. I like made Chris of GBF fame, like, miss his fight call because I was like, it was something like, will you go get me Panera? Yeah. And he was like, yes. And then he got in so much trouble oh, for missing the that. fight call. Do you remember what that was? I don't it remember like what it was. Yeah. It might have been Any Never Can Die or something, but th- it was not good. <laughs> but I thought it would be fun because Again, we are former theater kids. I thought it would be fun to just put out like a little announcement on my Instagram story asking for anyone who's been in Beauty and the Beast in elementary school, middle school, high school to just send us some thoughts on their experience. So please enjoy this menagerie of insights from former theater kids of America.
5: I'm Sydney, and I had the immense pleasure of playing Mrs. Potts in the 2011 production of Beauty and the Beast at Heights Youth Theater in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Um, So I guess I would have been like 15 or 16. Okay, the best part of the experience, I would say, I think, you know, there's this kind of experience in youth theater where there's sort of like the, the big kids, the adult kid cast, and then like all the kind of like chaotic children. Um, And I will say kind of like the adult big kid cast was just amazing. And it was like all of my closest friends. And we had just the most beautiful time doing the show. And it was just like such an amazing bonding experience. And we still talk about it, um, you know, like 10 plus years later. And then I would say the worst part of the experience was, I think there's probably also this universal experience of youth theater productions feeling like, extremely high stakes, life or death, like Broadway caliber levels of stress. And this particular production was. Absurd! It was like $50,000 over budget. It was just like so beyond its means. And literally on opening night, like the set wasn't finished being built or painted. And so like much of the adult or like big kid cast, actually we like skipped school that day to help like build the set because they were like, this show will not open. And it was just like insane and stressful. But
2: yeah, overall just kind of like a
5: classic youth theater experience.
2: My name's Bethany, and I played Babette in Solon High School's production of Beauty and the Beast when I was 16 years old. Um, My favorite thing about this was getting to ham it up on stage, be flirty, have fun. Um, I could really do anything, and uh, I loved just being the flirt on stage. It was super fun. The worst part was uh, my costume, which even though I really loved my costume, um, I decided that... I was dissatisfied with the bodice. It was very baggy. um, And I didn't think that uh, Babette had a baggy bodice. I thought that, you know, she had great cleavage. And so I decided to wear five bras underneath my outfit and draw on cleavage. I don't think anyone could have stopped me, but I look back and I seriously cringe that 16-year-old me made these choices.
0: Hi, Sleepover Cinema. My name is Isabel. I played chip the teacup in Beauty and the Beast when I was 10 years old. It was at my summer camp. I was in the youngest age group, which we called rangers. And I was the only ranger to have a main role in Beauty and the Beast. Everyone else was an older kid. And so I was like the coolest ranger around. All the older kids adopted me. I was like the cute, I was like the, um, the favorite cute little kid, you know, like the one that all the older campers like wants to carry around on their back, like give piggyback rides and whatever. My costume was a painted cardboard cutout of Chip the Teacup with a string that I wore around my neck. That was my entire costume. This is an all girls camp, by the way. The girl who played the beast was also cool as hell. I had a lot of like early baby gay crushes on a lot of these people, TBH. I remember sitting backstage (laughs) during the scene where Maurice rides his horse and, I don't know, crashes or something goes wrong in the woods. I remember standing backstage while someone, like, made the horse sounds with a wooden stool. It was part of the experience The assistant director was a fucking psycho. Also, she's TikTok famous now. We hate her. Anyway, she uh, single-handedly cut my friend's role from the play at the very last minute. She, my friend Finley, played the feather duster and she was so excited about it. Sweet, sweet Finley. And then the director, Ashley, like cut her part from the play And she was so sad. I remember her sitting outside and crying and a lot of people trying to comfort her. Oh, also, I was one of two people, two finalists to get to play Chip. Because, you know, it was like all the rangers, the youngest kids were, like it was going to be a ranger to play Chip because he's the littlest. Um, So it was between me and this girl, Eleanor, and I was selected and Eleanor was so mad about it. She was so mean to me because she thought she deserved it more than me. And now, to be fair, she is a professional actress. I have seen her in shows like Only Murders in the Building. I follow her on Instagram, and she seems to be doing great. So, if you're listening, Eleanor, you win, baby. I I got the role of Chip, but uh, I like to think that I fueled her determination to succeed at acting. So. I guess you're welcome for your success in your career. Yeah, that's all. I had a blast playing Chip in Beauty and the Beast. It was so fun. I think it was the pinnacle of my theatrical career.
2: Okay, our final person talking about their Beauty and the Beast experience is Liz of Megan and Liz, who was in our Twilight episode. She didn't say her name in the voice note, so I just
3: wanted to clarify. That's who is talking. My experience with a production of Beauty and the Beast, it was 2009. It was my junior year in high school. It was our school's spring musical musical and I was cast as one of the silly girls, which is one of the women that follows around Gaston and just like fawns all over him all day. But then I was also cast as a dancing napkin. So I was dual cast. It was very, very fun. My favorite experience is while doing the production, was definitely the music. I mean, the music in Beauty and the Beast is just unmatched. To this day, I will break out in Beauty and the Beast songs. And then as far as my most negative experience, for me personally, since I was dual cast, I had a lot of like running around and changing costumes and things like that. But overall, I look back at it and it was like, the best time of my life. And we sold out the theater, you know, all the nights, which was huge. And I don't think we, our school had ever done that before, but people just loved Beauty and the Beast. So it was really cool to be a part of. And that's my experience with Beauty and the Beast.
2: Even though we didn't own the movie, somehow we still have, we still had Belle dolls, Belle action figures, Belle costumes, Belle probably books. Um, you know, we had a lot of yes. stuff.
1: Piggy bank. The action figures, the piggy bank. I had like an extraordinarily good Belle costume that was also really cheap. Like it wasn't fancy, but just like the fact that it had this big like crinoline underneath underneath it made it really like juicy, and it just looks so good. And we'll have to post a picture of that. But it was incredible.
2: Like oh, and- I don't know, it's funny that we didn't really give a shit about her, but we had stuff. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. And the bell doll we had was, and it wasn't like regular Disney Belle. It was like Barbie collector Belle. And we had that one because she was really fair skinned and she had curly brown hair. And that was like the Audrey doll in my mind.
2: Yeah. Which I didn't even have curly hair then. So I don't, I don't know where we that predicting. came from. <laughs>
1: <But>. <laughs> and then Audrey, do you want to just quickly tell them about the Disney World
2: incident. Yes. Okay. I think we've told this before, actually. But in 2013, we went to Disney World and it was Hannah's senior year of high school. And the Be Our Guest restaurant had opened pretty recently, I think. Yeah. And I had no clue what was going to go down in this restaurant. <laughs> but the point is, we've talked, we've definitely talked about the fact that I had a extreme fear of mascots as a child. Now I can actually, I'm actually fine. Mm -hmm. I think it would depend on the interaction that like, if I would get the feeling or not of anxiety, but like, anyway, so we go, we're sitting, we're eating, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And then at some point during the dinner, it's like the Lumiere voice and it's like, everybody look over there or something. And... (laughs) the beast comes out and Belle comes out, I think in the dress, right? Or is it just the beast?
1: Yes, but there's a really funny part of the story too, which is that we were there with Nick and Chris and they went to go find the bathroom and they like went down this hallway and then the Lumiere voice came on being like, and here's the master. And Chris and Nick come like sprinting out (laughs) of that hallway and then the beast walks out behind them and it was so funny.
2: Point is, there's a meet and greet opportunity and everyone wanted to do it. And I was like, all right, time to put on a brave face. Like I'm not, I don't love this, but what do you need to do? So I could have just not gone, but I think I was trying to like get over it, like actively get over it, which is good. Yeah, Exposure therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm actually proud of my, like, 16-year-old self for doing that. That's good. Yeah. Because, I, like, it's not like you come across these people that often. Like, you, you're you not really <laughs> in the presence of mascots that much. And, like, our yeah. high school didn't even have one because we were the Comets. So, like, yeah. I don't think there was one. We go, we do the meet and greet, and, like, he's, like, <laughs> bowing to everybody because it's, like, in the ball or whatever. And I just, Uh like, stayed the fuck away from him. Like, I just, like, (laughs) did not want to do the interaction. It was too scary. So I stayed on the end for the picture. And I, like... That's such a good picture. I was just trying to, like, get through it. But I just, like, didn't do the interaction like you're supposed to, I guess. But I was like, no. The pictures are so good. And we have... I'm going to have to put together like a whole thing like I did for Cinderella with all the different like Belle footage because we have a lot of it. Yeah. And
1: my last memory about this movie I just want to share is that they did a re-release of this movie in 2012, I think, which is interesting because they're about to do another re-release. I went with my best friend, Allie Miller at the time and we went to Wendy's beforehand and we ate in the Wendy's and then we went to the movie and she was playing the crane game and she was really 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 good at the crane game and she won it like 20 times in a row and gave all these little kids stuffed animals and then we watched the movie and it was very fun.
2: I do remember that we ultimately kind of inadvertently stole Allie's VHS copy of Beauty and the Beast.
1: Yes, we did. She like gave it to us, kind now of. Now we
2: have that, so. Now we
1: own it. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is true. So, if you want to watch the movie, it's on Disney+. Plus. Give it a watch, and then join us here. Okay, welcome back, everyone. It is time to talk about 1991's Beauty and the Beast. And I have a point to kick us off, which is from the very top of the movie, you get the backdrop of the situation. The narrator is like, the Beast had to learn to love to become a hot guy again. But basically the way they put it is that it's like, he has to earn her love to become free again. So right from the very beginning, they're like, it must be straight romantic love. That's the only way. And then I was thinking about Aquamarine and I was like, I wish it had an Aquamarine twist where the yeah, love like the love, friendship love. The
2: love for Cogsworth is what did it. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be this way. Before I go on my, like, Low key hater, like hater monologue. I want to say that this movie, as like a Disney Renaissance princess movie, to me is like the strongest example of great musical songwriting. The opening, the entire opening number, both the um, pre opening number, you know, the whole narrator thing, the narrator thing, the opening number, Gaston, you know, like the musical numbers in this movie best resemble an actual musical like that. That's kind of the best thing about it to me.
1: I had the exact same thought. And I think that because we saw the musical on stage first, like I remember the plot of the musical and the details of the musical better than the movie. But it's like you're watching the movie and you're like, how could this ever not well, be they're a musical? the same? Well, there's more songs in the musical,
6: but.
2: Yeah. yeah. But did you know that Human Again is in the movie, but they cut it?
1: Yes, I did know that.
2: They really play up the aspect of. The house servant slowly dying, I feel like maybe more yeah. in the musical, like they're a little bit more important in the musical Yeah, than they yeah. are in in the movie.
1: I just want to say to the opening song, I was sitting in my chair I'm in right now because I was watching it on my computer and I was like dancing. I was like, here goes a big Uber. Yeah, <laughs> it it's, it's, so like, it, it's so good. It's so good. That just... That's Howard Ashman. I really appreciate that this movie, while it does have talking items, it does not have talking animals. Yeah. And after Cinderella, I am so glad there are no talking animals or animals doing physical comedy hijinks. I'm done with that. So thank you to this movie for not having animal sidekicks. And I do feel like that contributes to, like, the overall classiness level of this movie by kind of a lot.
2: I have more respect for it for some reason.
1: If Gaston wasn't in this movie, I think it would be bad.
2: Who would be? Like, if there was just just mean uh, townspeople? Yes. Like,
1: I think that... Gaston, I would up until this point, I would not have classified him as a Disney villain, but that is technically what he is. And he's my favorite. He's so funny. He's so, I can't think of any other Disney character like well,
2: him. He's incredibly rare as an antagonist yeah. because right. in no other Disney movie is being masculine or having what would normally be heroic traits be your downfall. Like him being an asshole is what makes him the villain, which is like, but him being an asshole, not in a like, I'm going to kill you in your family way. (laughs) Being an asshole (laughs) and like, I'm self-absorbed and want five sons and a wife that will do what I say. Like that is a different kind of antagonist than you ever see in a Disney movie.
1: Yes. And I I feel like what has happened with this movie is that people are like, Belle's a feminist icon for rejecting him. But I think it's less about her being a feminist icon and more about the fact that they made a character like that so plainly. Like, that is like the thing that pushes it forward. It's just how evilly masculine he is. Like, he's not queer-coded at all.
2: I guess Gaston is a good example of toxic masculinity in children's media. Yes. But, but, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. But then I was thinking, the alternative choice for Belle is just another toxically masculine guy True. who you ultimately find out was only being like that because he was cursed to be ugly. This is sort of verging into another topic that I want to talk about more. But like, if you are a good person to your core, having something this shitty happen to you will not make you not a nice person. Like it won't change your personality. Yeah. So like, that's not a part of the curse. You know what I mean? The curse was just to look like a beast. The curse was not go be abusive. Like, I understand how that is, (laughs) how that happens for this character. But like for him to, for the beastness of him to get like melted away. And then all of a sudden he's just good as new back to, you know, 15 years ago or however long it's been. I don't even know. Well, I did uh, the math and it was 10
1: years. So he would have been... If he's before his 21st year, we're presuming that he's 20, 20 years old. He would have been 10, 11 yeah. when he got cursed. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I don't like doing that. Yeah, Like nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking is so stupid. And like cartoon, this is a cartoon. It's allowed to be art. It's allowed to not be, super, it's a
2: magical, they're magical no, talking No, I things. agree. But where I think it still matters is not so much the specifics of, of detail of ages or logic, but more what is the message? The, what, what are we supposed to take away from this? Because it actually is sort of, when you actually watch the movie, it is kind of hard to understand. I totally agree, and I also forgot to mention that
1: I really love the part, like the whole Gaston sequence is so good, but the little interlude where it's like, you know, when they're doing the scheming and it's it's Gaston and his throne and LeFou like walking around. I just, I know that's a bad description. It just feels like an actual musical. Audrey, what do you got? Do you have any notes about how much this movie loves cleavage? Because I do.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, okay. that's a that's a big thing. And I wanted to reference the YouTube channel slash TikToker Lucy thinks too much because she made a video about this exact thing using examples from Beauty and the Beast specifically and how and it kind of is it also aligns with what I was saying in the Cinderella episode about the whole male animator placing themselves in the kind of the as the spectator of female characters and how mm-hmm. that will get translated into the movie itself. Like, not only the way that the women are drawn, but also how they're reacted to. So, like, yes. the silly girls or whatever are animated in a, in such a, like, pornographic way. Like, yeah. their boobs are bouncing. Literally, their butts and boobs are bouncing. Like, and I'm not, I, know. I, I say that because it is absolutely true. Yeah. And the implication is that they're dumb because, as the audience member, you are being asked to think that Belle is better than everybody else. The townspeople are stupid. Gaston might be hot, but he's shallow. And therefore, the women who fawn over him are also dumb. Belle is not like other girls. We know that. Yeah. Also, though she looks like a different human in every frame, like if you you can pause it at any given moment, and it's like if you picture the real, like an actress that would play the frame, this frame of this movie, it's a different person in every frame. Yeah, and yeah. I ju- I just think that other Disney movies they paid a lot more attention to facial proportion continuity, like there, even like her lips. Her lips change a lot. That is so unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking
1: constantly. I kind of, I noticed it too, but I was like, am I just looking too closely? Like, that's not a thing though.
2: No, I think that genuinely, like, however they sectioned this movie off, like, these people had different visions. Like, I don't know what, (laughs) like, they they all were drawing her differently. And of course, there's always room for that in a... 2D animated movie but like it got a little extreme I was kind of thinking like Belle is sort of like a Troy Bolton character in this because she's being persecuted against for reading and being hot it's like Troy Bolton like you're being persecuted against for playing basketball and being hot like this is not a problem yes it's not a problem because it comes from a place of superiority this isn't the hunchback
1: definitely Okay. after I finished watching the animated movie, I did open up the live action one because I was like, I want to see at least some bits and pieces of this. And I I watched from the like Madame Gaston, can't you just say it through the I want adventure in the (laughs) great white
2: somewhere.
1: And I was like, oh, this is
2: she's so awkward literally let her dub just let her freaking dub let somebody else sing it like yeah. it, it's okay hunter and i always make fun of that little town it's a quiet village like what in the world what yeah. they got a robot there's a robot singing these songs. You know, it
1: was hard to watch for yeah for even a couple minutes
2: and they added on like I mean, they basically made that movie three hours and added on more terrible songs. And it, it's, just, it's yeah. just, bad. Okay, yeah, we can talk about the Chip thing. So, like, you <laughs> think, I don't know how I ever missed this in the past, but, like, you think it's just Miss Potts and Chip, right? But no, it's right, not. Right, 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 right. Because Miss Potts, <laughs> at one point, brings Chip over to the cabinet and says, go go sleep with your brothers and sisters in this one frame, you see, like, 30 sleeping <laughs> teacups. And I was like, first of all, isn't Miss Potts, like, a grandma? Like, I, I just right. feel like Miss Potts is, generation like, a generation above being the yes. mother. And also yes. lends itself to a whole other set of questions. Because, like, when you watch Be Our Guest, there are a ton of cups and plates and duplicates of items of characters that we know, but these other ones don't have faces. So I'm like, okay, so <laughs> there's like a hierarchy of like who gets to be more humanoid than other people. Like there's like a whole like worker yes. class system to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who gets to have a face? It's crazy.
1: You're right. I didn't think about it that hard, but you're definitely right. What does that mean?
2: They're all on a death timeline for- Not a death timeline. The rose petals to fall. Like, it's not like, it's not like Lumiere could be still more human than another candelabra. (laughs) So, like, the other candelabras should be equally as human as he is. (laughs) Like, they should have faces. (laughs) Oh, oh, wait. You're saying that, like, their sentience is fading? Yeah,
1: at the same rate. I remember- I remember. So, right. okay. so does that mean that all of the faceless candelabras were once faced and now Lumiere's the last one? He seems like he's in charge of them.
2: Yeah, he does. I mean, ultimately, like, again, with the animation thing, it's like it doesn't matter. It's animation. We can suspend our disbelief. And actually, this is the sort of line of questioning that results in a movie like the remake of Beauty and the Beast. Um, You're right. Which is true. And like, I definitely fight against that. But for the sake of this podcast, it's sort of a funny conversation. Like, I'm not going to take it to the bank. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go create a creepy ass real 3D version of, you know, like, God. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just thought that was funny that like in the background, you've got a hundred duplicates of Lumiere, except none of them have faces.
1: Also, that leads me to another question involving those characters, which is like during something there that wasn't there before, Shiv keeps being like, what is it? What is it? And she's like, I'll tell you when you're older. That was Irish. And it's like, love? Like, it's what is like it? It's not like it's sex. Like, what, okay, what is what's it? What's the issue? What is the problem? That was strange to me. Also, did you notice that there were moments where characters would be talking or laughing and their mouths just weren't moving?
2: Yeah. I mean I noticed a lot of small things like that where Yeah. There's just like things seem to be overlooked for some reason. Yeah. But you know we watched these movies on tiny like low quality <laughs> screens as kids yes. so it- now yes. it's just, it's a whole
1: different experience. During the break, I made Audrey watch one of my favorite YouTube videos, which is a really bizarre edit of the moment where Gaston juggles eggs and then says it, they've helped him become roughly the size of a barge. And... I can't explain it, I'm gonna link to it in the episode description, but here's just like a clip of the weirdness. When I was a lad, I ate four dozen lads every morning to help me get large. And now that I'm grown, I ate five dozen lads, so I'm roughly the size of a egg. When I was a lad, I ate four dozen eggs every morning to help me get large. I did not think Audrey was going to laugh at it. And then she did. And that made me really happy.
2: (laughs) So what do you think about the concept of using conventional beauty or ugliness as a punishment and a reward? Because... You know, the whole thing of, like, reflecting your innards. It's like, oh, you were a bitch to me, so your I'm— inners like, you are mean to me, so I'm going to curse you to be ugly until you learn how to be nice, and then you can be hot. Like, this is a false equivalence. Like, like the, they do it a lot in fairy tales. Yeah. Just, like, even I right think- from the top— the woman comes in. I mean, it's it's kind of wild because yeah. the, the old hag or whatever comes in and he treats her poorly and then she turns into, like, a stunning fairy or something and curses him to be ugly. It's like, what, the lesson is don't, like, treat ugly I people think- nicely. Like, well, I-
1: I feel like the the lesson of that is like take a walk in an ugly person's shoes. It's also funny because she doesn't just turn him into an ugly guy, she turns him into like a bear thing. Yeah. No, like I I actually even.
2: I actually think being turned into like maybe like the hunchback type of vibe, like that would be a more applicable lesson rather than, like, becoming an animal. Because, first of all, who even said the Beast is, like, grotesque? They needed to animate this character to be animate enough that people could project, like, a humanoid-type emotion onto him. So he couldn't be too animal and he couldn't be too human. Yeah. But they also didn't want him to be an ugly man. So it's like you basically just made like a hot, aggressive animal.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that to your question about it being like a reward or a punishment, it's kind of interesting because it's like when it comes down to it for real, it is, it does affect your life a lot negatively or positively. Like, right.
2: Well, that's why. But it's weird. Because the whole point of the movie is like see past that, but then. Right. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't work fully because, yes, if you were going to look at it from like a very like with like adult eyes, like I just did, I just viewed it and I'm like, wait, so what they're saying, what they're implying is not wrong about the real world. Like the more beautiful you are, the more you will be rewarded without trying. Yeah. Like that's just how it is. But that is not the message they're trying to convey in this children's movie. Yes. Yes. But they're not
1: conveying anything all that different.
2: No, they're they're trying to use the outward appearance as the physical manifestation of what happened on the inside. And I guess that, that is a nice, like, easy signifier for children to pick up on. But I don't know. I think it kind of underestimates children also because children can, unless they're literally babies, they can pick up on when somebody's behaviors are changing over a period of time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't have to become (laughs) a Like Yeah, right. It's just weird. Or how about this? Curse him as a human. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> like, I mean, it could have been
1: that he dies. It could have been your curse should die. <laughs> you're gonna die when you're 21 unless you get a GF. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's it. so weird. That's the other part that makes it weird is that he's only got one option to become better. Like, yeah, it it can't be charity. He can't like clean up the castle, do some do some community, community work. service. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> he can be rehabilitated but only in one very specific way.
2: And like that's not going to help you. Like if we've learned anything, a man getting married to a woman, it that is not it's any sort opposite. of transformative like no. No work being done. No. That's why, yeah. What going back to when I was saying the themes are confusing, that's why. It's like, they, they want the yeah. theme to be super, super simple and easy to understand through this, like, visual medium of, like, internal ugliness, external beauty, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if you actually think about it for more than three seconds, it doesn't really work that well. We, have, we didn't really talk about Belle and her father, but I just never... Like, I never really felt for them, honestly. I was like, Maurice, you're an idiot yeah. for going in there, first of all. Like, right. he never should have trespassed into a castle. That's, I don't know what he was expecting. Um, yeah. And then Belle sacrificing herself also doesn't feel... Made no sense. Very right. Nothing was about that I wondering myself...
1: She had just done that whole song about wanting adventure in the great wide somewhere. And then the next thing that happens is that she's Held like... Held
2: hostage.
1: Yeah. But then, but like she takes a second to think about it. And then she like draws her face into the light dramatically. And I'm like, is is this adventure to her? Is she also doing this because it's adventure? Because I'm curious. Also, there's well, moments where when mm-hmm. she was like, there must be some way I can make it up. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, (laughs) ew. I know.
1: I know. It has, like, some really weird moments.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Howard Ashman just went off writing an I Want song for her, but she doesn't get it. No, not at all. Like, at all. Nope. She doesn't want love. That's not a part of her character. She was forced to trade places with her father because she couldn't, like, stands the thought of not doing it. Like that that's the only reason that she did it. She's held there yeah. against her will, blah blah blah. She kind of is and is tolerating this guy because she's she kind of thinks she's going to die. Like I mean this is like a bad <laughs> situation. So for me there never was a there never is a and this is the problem with the live action movie too. There is never a moment where I believe that she's not acting nice to him to avoid a life or death situation like I, yeah I'm like no like she's trying to make it to next Tuesday like n- but at no point do I feel like she's here by choice and they kind of try to do like a Phantom of the Opera type thing with it too but <laughs> I don't know why Phantom of the Opera comes up constantly but it does <laughs> like it's cause it's nothing but like cliches and like archetypes yeah and him being like go Be with you know it's it's like you're supposed to you're supposed to like him because he learns like the humility to like let her let his prisoner go type of thing. Um, Yeah, but how big of him? That seems like the bare fucking minimum. Um, Yeah, and I do think that it is weird that him being transformed made him a fundamentally different person. Like, is that a part of it or no? I don't think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be that the time, the time that he's been sequestered has made him into this asshole. But like, he literally has like 45 million animate objects in his house. So yeah. maybe just like vibe with them because none of them are bitter and you are, and, y- and you got them into the situation. Yeah. Like that yeah. does not make sense. So like everyone's so nice to him for no reason. I totally agree. Maybe they're also scared of him. They Well, they are scared of him, but, like, at some point... They will push back. The plates could, like, push him out the fucking window. Like, at some point, like, all these animate objects could gang up on him. I mean, they're knives. I know. But if they stab him and he dies, then they're going to be
1: stuck that way forever.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's why they're, like, his wing people because they, like, yeah, need him to like, get laid, get it, so laid. Get it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh.
1: They're, like, the fate of this entire family rests upon your ability to get laid. Please get it together.
2: Yeah, like, we got exactly one, one shot, one opportunity. <laughs> like, you...
4: <All right.
2: laughs> I did a lot of bitching in this episode, but I'm mostly not that serious. But I do think that these are interesting topics or like lines of thinking to think about with Beauty and the Beast because it falls apart pretty fast, I think. Yeah. If not for Howard Ashman, this movie would suck. But because of his contributions, it's pretty iconic. Yeah. And we have also a fun musical to see so.
1: Yes. Even though I saw in my research that the Broadway musical was, uh, it got mixed reviews, as someone who saw the stage musical first, that is some magical shit. It's so good. It's so good. And like, I'm ready to go see a high school production of Beauty and the Beast, like, anytime.
2: Me too. I will, I have contemplated before, like, Googling, like, local productions. Not even just Beauty and the Beast, (laughs) but, like, high school musicals in general. Because I just crave that. Like, kind of like how sometimes I want to go to dance recitals. Like, sometimes I just want to go to something like that. And I haven't. And I really need to change that. Yeah. Because I just want to feel that energy. You
1: just want to smell the hairspray and, like, see the bad eyeliner. I get it. Yes. And, like, who is
2: going to play plate number six? Like... Yeah.
1: Or, like, how gay is the Gaston going to
2: be? Yeah. And, like, Like, are they going to put him in a muscle suit? Or are they just going (laughs) to make you suspend your disbelief?
1: Are they going to give him a really bad black wig and a muscle suit?
2: Yeah. Like, what levels of realism to the cartoon or realism to like humans are they going to go yeah. for? It?
1: How bad is the beast going to look?
2: Yeah. I
1: really enjoyed re-watching this despite some of its flaws and goofiness. I will be seeing it upon the re-release
2: because we just need that energy in our lives. Okay, with that... You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at cinema, and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audrey Anna Leach on everything.
1: You can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on everything. And please join our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Audrey is showing an image of the Broadway costume on her iPad on the video
2: version. So please uh, fire up the video version for that. You can check out our merch at shop. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and more.
1: And if you like the show, if you're enjoying Audrey's multimedia presentation, um, please share this episode with a
2: friend and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts produced, edited and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Will Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael D'Aloia. Peace out.
1: And now that I'm grown,
4: I eat five dozen eggs, so I'm roughly the size of a barge. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture. for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com.
1: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.